When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on to Big Drive Energy. Uh, we have none other than the Mark Mosier wearing a Spring Valley cap the day before a motherfucking Stanley Cup final <laughs> game, 20 minutes from on the road from us. We appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your day to uh, to join us. We're going to talk a little golf, a little avalanche, but uh, we really do appreciate you hopping on. What's up, dudes? Uh, here's the thing, man. I know you guys. There, I, there, who set who sets this up? Who's the brains behind this whole thing? All the cool stuff, all the technology. Because it's not you. Is it Heavy K? Is that who's behind it? Who's behind it? You know, we've got a great team behind us, brother. Yeah. We we are just content. We're just content is all. As we, you can see, a... I hardly can set up a fucking camera here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. Or I'm... like, uh, do I look good, guys? Do I am I look? Because I, I can see me. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He, I, he, he's messaging me like two minutes before this, like, how do I get this link onto my computer so that I can do this on my computer or okay, am I just doing was, this on my phone? It was in <laughs> Slack, asshole. I'm, I think I'm of the generation, like, I don't, really don't use a computer just because I use my phone now. Like, we're, I'm past that. I think, I think, honestly, I think everybody's like that now, man. Everybody, you know, the technology today is seriously, it's so unbelievable. You guys could have a remote studio in, you know, in Iceland right now, and it would sound like you're right, right in town. It's, it's pretty crazy, boys. But yeah, I got, uh, I got, got a rep, of course, Spring Valley. I bought this one. Of course I did. I got this one. You're uh, the man. That. Yeah, it's looking good, but it's good to be with you guys, man. This is, uh, this is a big deal. You know, we're getting on the verge of tomorrow night of, of game one and it's been 21 years since we've been in this position. You guys were so young, you know, you probably don't even remember what it was like or how that whole run went. And I was talking to, I was talking to, to, uh, to NHL network today and they said, how's the, you know, what's the fan base? Like, I'm like, well, people are going insane. And I said, the cool part about it is you have a whole new wave of avalanche fans that, that, they never they, either they were too young or wh- whatever it may be, but they never got to experience a run. You know, now that they're 
uh, you know, adults, young adults, whatever, you know, just got married, like, like, dude, you know, and so <laughs> now it's a, you know, now it's a, it's a whole new generation. It's really cool, man. People are pumped up for this thing. Yeah, I think one of the really cool parts about this fan base is is we had a 48-point season five, six years ago, seven years ago, whatever that was. Um, and I think that I've been to go, I've been going to Avs games. That was actually, ironically, the first season I started going consistently was that season. And stadium wasn't as full, but still pretty full. And and like you said, there's, there's a whole um, uh, group of Avs fans out there that were 20 years old in 20, 2021, or excuse me, 20, 2001. And now they're 40 and they're getting to enjoy this cup run all over again. And then there's a group of people that were born in, you know, from 90 to 95, 96, a thousand, 2000 that were not even, you know, not able to just, uh, I was three years old when they won their first cup and I, I don't remember it at all, but now I'm getting to be in the middle of this run. And it was like, it's still a storied franchise coming over from Montreal, coming to here uh and and being new to Colorado winning right away and now taking that roller coaster back up to the top yeah it's there's nothing like it dudes and you guys you guys are big sports fans I mean you've seen you know you've seen Super Bowl championships you've seen you guys were old enough to remember the run to uh to the World Series for the Rocks how cool that was um you know and and certainly the Nuggets I I you know they've had some chances they've been in the West Final I think they're going to get there eventually again you, you, you got a two-time de- defending NBA champion. You're not gonna, you're not gonna not make moves to try to get there with. I mean, NBA champion. Listen to me, MVP. You're, you're not gonna not make moves to try to get there with that guy. But it's just there's nothing like running for the Stanley Cup, dudes. There's just nothing like it. I mean, you guys are big-time hockey fans. To see you at the rink, getting your swerve on, your spano <laughs> hooked you up. I know how it goes. It's all it's all good. I'm just saying that that you guys have been there every step of the way. So yeah, let's enjoy this thing. Let's go, man. Absolutely. Real quick, uh, does Spencer look like Mike Smith right now? I think he kind of looks like Mike. <laughs> dude, dude, Mike Smith. He, my, by the way, Mike Smith is a. Believe it or not, he's a good dude. He's he's a. He's one. Believe of those, it or not, maybe he's the last of the uh, of the kind of crazy goalies. You know, I I don't know. You know, last of the the guys who just kind of kind of snap and lose a little bit. But man, Spencer doesn't look like that. He looks like. Oh God! Here we go. I don't. Let me. Let, I gotta think about it, dude. Because I've been looking at your look. I don't know what you're going for. I mean, are you going for? Are you going for the guy? Are you going for the guy that comes out from underneath the bridge on number four? I mean, what, what are you looking for, bro? What, what you... Well, I said Mike Smith looked like a troll, and Spencer. I don't know if it's the light or. I, I hate to talk shit, Spencer, but you look with a little bit like a troll right now. You look weird. Well, you, you, look you know, weird. I. I, uh, I've, this is all I've got for a beard. I've been putting I know, beard but oil so are, on you, are you doing it for the playoffs? Are you doing, did, yeah. you, did your beautiful new wife say, oh, yeah, please grow the ugliest beard a man can grow? Because I, that's really hot for me, man. I really like that. Dude, dude. Um, this is all I got. And I haven't shaved since the playoffs started, down here at okay. least. I've trimmed. Okay. I've cleaned up. You know, I've gotten some clean on the sides here. Do it myself. <laughs> Have you washed your hair since the playoffs began? It doesn't <laughs> look at this. It doesn't look like it, man. This, yeah, uh, this, is, uh, this is like two days. I'm going on uh, like a day be, and a half. It'll be, it'll I be dreadlocks. It it'll be dreadlocks by late June, man. Spencer's <laughs> outing his uh, personal hygiene here. It's all right. Show. It's all right. Those hey, early I, mornings get you. 
you can't wash your hair every single day when you got hair like this. You can't. No. It, it takes time, dude. And I sometimes I wake up late and I'm running late. That's what happens. <laughs> okay, but, so, yeah. so Moj, real quick, where do you think this ranks? Um, how long have you lived in Denver for? So I moved here from Cali for a job in 96. 96? Okay, so. so I've been here 26 years, yeah. Okay, um, so where do you think this ranks among all time? So if they've the Avs finish this run and they hoist the cup, where do you think this team ranks among all-time Denver teams across the major four sports? Oh, dude, that's hard. You know, those first two Avs teams were so damn good. There's so many Hall of Famers. How many Hall of Famers are going to come out of this Avs team? I don't I, know. I was going to say, because, I mean, look how stacked they are now. We've got maybe four or five future Hall of Famers on Maybe, roster. yeah, maybe. You know, you, you think about it. I mean, I'd put Hayduke in the Hall of Fame personally. I would. But Joe, Peter, you know, um, uh, Rob Blay, you know, uh, Ray Bork, of course, Patrick Waugh, Adam Foote's an all-timer, you know, Hedgie should be there. They had some other really big-time studs. You know, Val Kamensky and some super-duper glue guys. Man, this team's – I mean, how many teams have won a championship? Well, you've got three Broncos Super Bowls, two Stanley Cups. Nuggets have never won an NBA title. Rockies certainly have never won. So it's got to be right in the Knicks' top five now. You know, again, I was there for those Broncos' the first two Super Bowl runs too, right? Yeah. Covering, covering the team and doing all that. And they were such good teams. I mean, they were just they, – they were really good. It's hard to believe they went into that first Super Bowl against Green Bay as like a 14-point dog. Insanity. Uh, they, they win and they blow out the, the Falcons. Now, where do they rank? Where does this team rank? It depends if it wins. You know, it's got to win. Uh, but it's a really good club, dudes. I, you know, I've never – again, Joe Sackick talked about it today in his news conference. He said – he's talking about the, defense, the, the defensive core. He goes, but it's the best D since 01. We've got that now, you know, and they had Blake and Bork and Foot and Schoolie was back there, and they had a, you know, a bunch of studs. They got they got all that for sure. Well, I think one of the, the most rewarding things if this team does win a cup is, you know, you did have this a little bit with the Broncos where they finally got over the hump. Like, LA had been to a couple Super Bowls. They'd gotten absolutely embarrassed. Shouldn't have even been in those games. Right. Uh, and and now you've got two, three years in a row of losing in the second round. The first year was an overachievement of that team. That was not expected, beating, uh, beating a Calgary team that you just didn't really expect to beat. And then you kind right. of get to the second round. You're like, hey, we're great. The next year you take the next step and you're a, kind of a cup favorite. You get to the second round, you're expected to win there and you lose. And then last year you were a cup favorite all, all year. You get pushed around in the second round and everybody said, is this team tough enough? And yeah. as much as that hurt last year, I love to now, you know, granted the Stanley Cup's not over yet, but it's going to be even more fulfilling watching the McKinnon interview from the end of last year, just how much this team has worked. Joe has done an incredible job of putting this team together. I mean, when you, the, the entire third and fourth line are putting out the numbers they're putting out, you got game winners from guys that weren't abs last year. And then you've got yep. a great, a top line. You've got a new goalie that they brought in and they've got a goalie that's been here for a while. And in, in 39, that's been solid too. I just think up, top to bottom the construction of the team and the fact that it's done by a hall of famer that also won you a cup is just like peak for me it's cool dude isn't it cool you know and don't forget man people were questioning whether Sackey was even cut out for the role you know people were going hey man you, you know what they weren't winning early on you know and and they you know, 
but the thing is, Joe knows what that hockey, what winning hockey was like, and he knows what what it looks like to build a team that can win. It's just in today's salary cap area, it's more it's more difficult than it ever has been, you know. And and so you've got to build, and you've got to take this piece, and you've got to take that ingredient. And let me let me fix my camera here a little bit, boy, so I can get uh, a little bit better look at you. You don't want that. Let's see if it's going better. You don't want to see us. I think is that better? Yeah. You look great. I think Allie will tell us if that looks good or not. She, she's uh, she's the, the king of all this. Um, no, but, uh, but you know, there was a time when people were questioning whether Joe was even up for the job, right? And, and then, you know, they have the 48-point season after, you know, after Patrick left. And, and you know, is Jared right for the job? And should they, should they gas Jared? And, and Joe said, listen, man, no. He's like, I've been through this. I went through this in Quebec. You know, I went through this when we were a young team and we, we you know, had a lot of points in the regular season and we get to the postseason, we just couldn't do it. He goes, but I know what it looks like when it starts to come together. I know the kind of guys you have to have. And so he said, look, we're going to draft and develop. We're going to do, the, we're going to do it the, 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 the right way in the long haul way, the, the long sustainability way. And that's what he did. He already had super good dudes. I mean, he already had Gabe. EJ was already here. He already had Nate and Miko. Um, so you've got some real solid, I mean, solid, listen to me, friggin' star pieces, right? You know what I mean? You've already got some, some great, you know, some great, the, the core is already there now. Okay. What needs to go with the course? And then you just start adding it in over time and he's done an awesome job. And it's again, people that back to that 48 point season, people ask me all the time, man, Hey, what's it like to go through a 48 point season? I'm like, man, you can't even, I'm just a broadcaster. I'm just doing the games. I'm not, I'm not playing. I don't have to be this guy or that guy or whatever. What's it like? And I'm like, you can't know until you're in one. And you're like, it's it's not fun. It's a miserable experience. And nobody ever wants to go there again. And uh, you knock on your wood, boys. Let's hope it never happens again, ever, for the rest of time, man. <laughs> not, not, I'm not talking about any time soon. From now until the end of time. So I've got a question. I was talking to a buddy. Um, and tell me what you think, if this is even possible or not. But. What do you think this team would look like if we would have gotten rid of Gabe Landeskog and kept Ryan O'Reilly versus the opposite? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I thought about that today, and I was like, because Gabe is just the heart of Denver. Like, yeah. he's, he's the best captain ever, but O'Reilly feels like he's been that for St. Louis. So would it, are they kind of like the same kind of guy, or what do you, what do well, you yeah, think? I, I like the fact – I like Ryan O'Reilly. I like the fact that I like him. Uh, when he, what, 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 damn it, Mitch, <laughs> when it went down the way it went down, I was really disappointed because he basically, you know, inside of a structure of a team, it has to be structured correctly, you know, and they were all young dudes and he wanted money and he wanted his money now. Yeah. And so it started with the lockout, obviously, then he goes to Russia and, you know, he wants the big deal, the big payday, and he stays in Russia for a while, then the league starts again, and then he comes back and the Flames sign into that big deal. Now the abs ended up matching it, right? And then he wants another big deal. And you're like, dude, it, you know, it felt like there was no earning it. It felt like, hey, this is what I'm worth on the open market right now. Even though he wasn't free, free, man, if you're free, free, go get free, free. That's cool, but he wasn't free, free, and there was no, I mean, it was just, I, I'm worth this, and I'm, this is what I want right now, and you're like, dude, you, you know, it's like a guy coming into the league, and then all of a sudden, you know, he goes from making 700 Gs and demanding, you know, 
six, seven mil a year, whatever it was, you're like, I understand your point. You got to get while you get and while you can. And he's a terrific player. He's a good leader. Uh, but it just, I, I think he went about the wrong way. That's my opinion. And look, man, he flamed out in Buffalo. I mean, they ended up trading him right to St. Louis. And then he wins the Stanley Cup. So dude eventually got what he wanted. Uh oh, did we lose Moji there? Did we lose Moji? Oh, let's let's uh, let's talk for a little bit before he uh, he'll we'll get him uh, reconnected. Oh, there, there, there you go. That you were you were me. I think that was you. Oh, it, it was you. Was my, was my wife on the internet upstairs? Something like that. It, it's you, not me. You a FaceTime call to Russia. She's messing with me. Uh, <laughs> back to Arati real quick. No, but seriously, dudes. Um, it's like. It just, I think the whole thing went down in a weird way, in a tough way. And I'm like, it was pretty, it was, you know, it was pretty bothersome, guys. And so uh, he got his, I mean, he went, he won a Stanley Cup with St. Louis. But let me tell you about your, your dude now. Let me tell you about Gabe. Of course, I, I, I've known him since he came in as just a baby. And when you're a captain that young, you still don't know everything about the league. It, it can be tough. But he was a captain at 19, right? Or was yeah. It, yeah. That's insanity. He's the, he's the ultimate captain now, dude. Mary, I've never, I've never seen dude happier on and off the ice in my entire life ever. I mean, he's his life is full. He's got a beautiful family. Uh, you know, his team is winning, but he's playing great. I mean, he's playing, he's playing at a super high level. And you think about his postseason and his regular season, even though he missed time with injury, you know, he's like a a ninety point guy. If you if you add it all together, he's just been flipping awesome. Uh, so as far as the leadership goes, man, I'm taking 92 all day and all night. And I'm, I'm not holding any grudges. I'm not. I'm just saying that, that, that the right way and everything else, I, I like our guy big time. For sure. Well, I mean, for me personally, if I woke up in the morning and looked in the mirror and got to see what he gets to see, yeah. I'd be pretty fucking happy too. You, the dude's you hear, a man rocket. You, you hear, oh, yeah. You want to hear something? Well, yeah. When you like. Look at Spencer. He's like, I would too. Look at my beard. Uh, so you guys, you guys probably don't know the story behind this, but it's going to blow your minds. Ooh, so, story time. So when O'Reilly comes back from Russia, and I can tell you this, the Calgary Flames did not know this. And the Avs wanted to keep him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they were, you know, bent over the barrel to, to pay the money to, to, to match what the Flames offered. But they so they sign into an offer sheet, but the league rules were and are that if you come back from that league, you have to clear waivers. So if the Avs had not matched the Flames offer to Ryan O'Reilly, they would have had to give up multiple first round picks. And he still would have had to go through waivers. Huh. And the worst team at the time, I believe, was Columbus. And you know they would have claimed him. No shit. Can you can you, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the Flames signing him? They don't get him because he has to go through waivers. So then Columbus picks up that deal. But they have to give compensation to the Avalanche. That would have been wild, man. Never seen it before. But that's the way I – that that – that would have gone down had the abs not matched that that deal. Yeah. You just put my brain in a pretzel. I know, dude. Isn't that crazy? And so if you're the Flames, you're like, okay, 
Now we just lost a bunch of first round picks because we signed them to this, you know, this dollar amount. But we also don't get the, we don't have to pay the money, but we don't get the player because he had to go through waivers and he was claimed by those guys. It's just bizarre, dude. It's yeah, it's bizarre. That's insane. Yeah, that's wild. So uh, before we talk about a little golf, I definitely want to get into, uh, you know, everybody wants to know what the day in the life of a, a player is like, you know, everybody's like yearning for that. But me growing up as a kid, I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to be Mark Mosher. I, I couldn't think of a better role model than you to be uh, somebody. <laughs> and so what is, uh, give us a day, you know, let's go, fire, dude. <laughs> let's go either uh, pre COVID or, or now if it's, if it's good, like what is the day in a life for you look like? Let's go either home or on the road. Uh, you know, from waking up to, and, and the radio show, we know if you guys aren't listening to altitude 92.5 with Mosher Lombardi and Kane in the morning, I don't know what you're doing. That is on my Twitch feed at my computer at work, uh, from 6am oh, to 10am. The pro shop, baby. Love you guys. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It, it's on all the time, but <laughs> yeah. what is the day in the life like of, of getting with being with the team, getting on the road, all that good stuff? Well, okay. Let's like, let's take, um, uh, uh, dude, it's a long day. So, you know, you wake up early. It depends on how much, you know, prep work I need to do in the morning for the show because we're on at seven, right? And so I can wake up at six most days and, you know, I uh, don't always get a shower because, uh, you know, I just throw a hat on and, and do our thing. But some days to do if I have to, like tomorrow, I've got to be at the rink at 630 in the morning for the show. I'm doing it from yeah. the rink. Oh, so okay. I'll leave the house probably at, you know, I'll probably leave the house at 545 or stop and get a coffee or maybe, you know, I'll make some – Excuse me before I leave or whatever, but you know you get up early and then you're on the 7-11 air. Seven eleven burrito. Whenever you get up, you're on the air at seven. Off the air at ten. Uh, quick shower. Get to the rink for skate. You know, watch morning skate. Uh, listen to the players talk. Maybe do an interview. Uh, then you know, listen to the coach. Home by let's say twelve thirty, something like that. Uh, maybe have a little lunch, try to uh, do some, finish up some game notes and that kind of thing, get some things going about the other team. Uh, maybe get down for a 45-minute, an hour nap. Then up, showered, suit, the whole nine yards to the rink. Typically, I'm at the rink by 4, 4.15. Uh, then it's all kinds of, you know, it's all kinds of pre-production. So it's Colorado Avalanche Hockey on Altitude is brought to you by Spencer's lame, lame beard, and by <laughs> Mitchie's big old wrist chain. So maybe that kind of thing, right? You know what I mean. You, you know what I mean. That's so. So then you do all that. You look at you know all the graphics that have been built for the game that night. You've got to rehearse. You've got to do all this kind of stuff. And then you you know you have a little ten minutes here, fifteen minutes there. You're off. And then the pregame show starts at uh, six thirty. So then you're at the beginning of the pregame show, sometimes on the bench doing an interview, sometimes in the booth with Pete. And then, you know, the puck will drop at 7.08, and you do the game until what, you know, 10 o'clock? And then, you know, a little postgame show, and then you leave, and I'm home at 11, and then doing the same thing the next day. I love that. And one question I had, too, about this is, so when you get to the playoffs, obviously, as a, as a broadcaster, you're – you're part of the team, you know, you want, you want this team to do well. It makes it more fun to call games and makes it more games in the year. You know, obviously that's more work, but I don't think any, I think any broadcaster would trade their spot, their spot or your spot with theirs right now being in a Stanley cup final, but it, how, how much different is it now that you don't, 
I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know exactly what you guys are doing because Altitude doesn't necessarily carry these games and you don't get to call it like a normal regular season game. But do you still enjoy it as much doing whatever you guys get to do now and kind of talk about talk about what you guys get to do during the cup finals i know i saw you and victor before the game uh in the in the western conference finals kind of doing some spots so what does that look like for you so you don't get to officially call it same kind of thing but i'm at the rink a little bit later in the afternoon i suppose and then we so we do like a facebook live we've been doing a half hour pregame show but now we're doing an hour pregame show on altitude so it's long man a lot of stuff and um, I'll do a Facebook Live, do a couple of hits. Kyle will anchor with Riker. They anchor. JML's in there sometimes. I'm in there sometimes. McNabb's in there sometimes. Uh, but And then I'll do a couple of hits, you know, from uh, maybe I'll be on the concourse if I'm on the road or I'll be out front of the arena, you know, around Avs fans, that kind of thing. And then during the game itself, uh, not a whole lot to do. I have been sitting in with Connor on the road. And being like his color analyst guy in the in the radio booth on the road, just to, you know, he he, he was by himself, and and they said you want to do, you know, you, you want to do the games. They said, yeah. He's like, come on, do the games. I'm like, cool. That sounds good. Yeah, it's hard because you know you're as a broadcaster and as a guy who's a play by play guy, you want to call the play by play. But the national guys take over, man. They you know after the first round, it's all national TV, and they pay a lot of money to do that. And I dig that. I understand it. But the the local guys kind of get. You know, little Spanish archer, get get inside, <laughs> and um, and uh, and it's just the way it goes. But I'm involved, still doing a ton of stuff. Uh, what's really cool is that I was asked uh, two days ago. So the the NHL does an international feed. So this is this is a broadcast that goes out to the to every country that's not Canada or the U.S. Okay. And like the feed will go to Sweden. They have guys in studio back in Sweden who will call the game themselves. Finland has brought some dudes over. I think some other countries will probably they'll um, they'll convert it to their language, right? They'll talk over me or whatever. But EJ Raddick and Kevin Weeks do it. They do the game, the international broadcast on the TV. Um, but but EJ has a, a graduation he has to go to for his for his child. It's a family commitment. So the, the, the NHL called me two days ago and said, hey, man, you want to sit in with Kevin and you know do the international game? I said, yeah, thank you for thinking of me. I, th- I think it's probably because, oh, he's Moses already in Denver. You don't have to fly anybody out. Or <laughs> him to do it, you know. what, but, dude, uh, what an honor. And like to yeah. get to sh- share the share the booth with Weeksy. That's no, awesome. Dude, he, and he's such a great dude. He's a great broadcaster. I was talking to him this morning. He's like, we're going to have so much fun. I'm like, yeah. So they thought of me, and I get to at least call a Stanley Cup game, and that's pretty cool. I mean, it's a big honor when the league asks you to do that, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. Of course, EJ's awesome, too. He'll be back on Saturday for game two, but it's an opportunity for me to call a Stanley Cup final game tomorrow night. So that's a, that's a really awesome thing. So I'll be involved that way, dudes. And then when I travel, you know, same kind of stuff, doing interviews, you know, doing a ton of, um, of uh, social media hits, for altitude and for you know altitude 925 uh you know both the tv and the radio accounts and you know we'll be joining the spot but doing the pregame shows and the facebook lives and the postgame shows we'll be doing all of it i mean kyle kyle keeps going to be going on the road in the uh in the final too so you know we're going to be everywhere doing everything and it, it, it's like we're like pigs in slop we love to be at the rink man you guys know you love to be at the rink i mean you guys have bad days at the course sometimes but it's still fun to go to the course and and look out and just watch the sprinklers, you know, turn some water onto the grass and chill out, right? No, have a cold yeah. and chill, right? Absolutely. Probably, and that's 
that's such a huge honor for you, man. I'm not going to go full throat on you here, Moj, because you're, you're a good dude and I love you, but Colorado is truly lucky to have you as our, as our broadcaster, you and Connor are a phenomenal team between radio and TV. So it's not, uh, don't sell yourself short there. It's not just cause you're out in Denver. You're a fucking phenomenal at what you do. So there's no reason they, <laughs> Thanks, they asked you to do that. Yeah. But, but listen, when the dude's there, when they're going, Oh crap. Yeah. EJ has got his kid's graduation. All right. Do you want to fly Steven from New York? How about Mike in from Florida? Johnny from LA? No, Moses there. It won't cost us a damn thing. You know, no, but you know, I mean, it's probably part of it. But but if I if they thought I stunk, they, they wouldn't ask. Because it's, it's really cool. It's really nice of them, man. It's 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 and it's a chance to go out to to an international audience. So, dudes, why don't you get on a plane? To, I'll tell you when the show's over here. Book a red eye to London, and you guys can be in a pub tomorrow night or in the early in the morning watching the game with me on it. How about that? You, you want to PJ us? I know you got connections. We'll, we'll PJ over there. <laughs> yeah, I have exactly. no problem with that. Dude, well, what what's funny I've is my... even, I, I've I've never even been on one. I've never even uh, I've never I mean I sat in one. My uh, uh, my buddy had a jet, but I never actually flown on a on a PJ. Man, that'd be so awesome. Ever yeah, my whole life. You should have negotiated that when the NHL asked you to do this game for him. So, yeah, I'm in town, but but if you can give me the like Turks and Caicos, you know, yeah, right. Um, so I got one other question, and I I'm sure Spencer does, but I want to get a prediction. Um, before that, have you been to Johnny uh, John Michael Lyle's wine cave, and has he given you any good bourbon or, or of any uh, sort? I have not. Um, although. My buddy Nick Gizmondi from the Kraken came over a couple of weeks ago. He, uh, he stopped by, and he brought uh, some Waller Blue, dude, like super duper good whiskey. So I had to show Johnny Lyles. He's like, oh, that's good. He's got the pat. No, Johnny's got the pappy, which is hard to get. But um, I haven't been up there, no, because I, dude, I never, ever get to the mountains anymore. Doesn't that sound weird? I mean, I just never do. I mean, all through COVID and everything, things kind of shut down. Summit County did. And then I'll, I will get to a, I'll put it this way. I will get there. I'm sure uh, the Avs alumni has a big tournament in Vail every September and I couldn't go last year and he hasn't even been up there that long. So I'll probably get there in September and uh, try to raid that son of a gun. But that Pappy, that Pappy 15 is off the hook, dude. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I have had the Pappy 50. Have you really? Um, I've I've had a couple of, I've I've been lucky enough to try a couple of good bourbons, good scotches, but uh, apparently piggybacking off that, um, what I didn't know is uh, John Michael Wiles was on Spitting Chicklets and he said that Kroenke owns Screaming Eagle. um, Yeah. So he said they were going to get a a bottle of Screaming Eagle if they go to the, Stanley Cup, which obviously they're there now, so I had no idea that. I mean, well, I guess they're billionaires, that's so, so they that's, that's only some of the best wine on planet Earth, right? Well, I heard it's I like mean, twenty like, five hundred like, a bottle. Yeah, dude, like, like, like the guys like me, they're like, if I ever got any, it'd be like, you know, an eyedropper. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like, I mean, it's way too good for a, for a dude like me, especially for dudes like you. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Now, now my yeah. wife, you know, she 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 could have that, but uh, no, man. But it's yeah, he does, and it's it's. I've actually tasted that. It's unbelievably awesome, you know. And, and Mr. K is he does it right. Trust me when I tell you that. Is that is that a Napa? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I know. 
you know what? Some I'll tell you what. If somebody after a round, I don't live far from where from where you guys work, so uh, come over and check out the Moe's Wine Cave, and and we'll uh, we'll tap into that a little bit. Ooh, Hell yeah, we'll have to take well, you up on that. So this is a golf podcast, and we will get into a little bit of golf. But uh, get, first, because you guys, first of all, I golf. <laughs> I I used to golf a lot more than I do now, and you guys have seen me. You've seen me in my best and worst so yeah let's get into that sometime here <laughs> we, we we've definitely uh we've got some good golf questions for you but we want to tell you guys about DraftKings sportsbook and i just checked my app abs are minus 175 to win this series so a fairly heavy favorite going against the team that's won two straight stanley cups but i'm feeling confident about it and we're about to have an nba champ crowned as well so join the finals action with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. You can also have a huge payday during the NBA Finals with a DraftKings same-game parlay. So we know Steph made zero threes. That's not going to happen again. I'd be looking at Steph Curry over in threes for game six. I do think Boston finds a way to win game six, and this goes to seven. Uh, I'm hoping the Stanley Cup is not quite as long. I hope it's a four or five game series in the Avs' favor, of course. So make sure you're downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code DNVR and make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals, and you get $150 in free bets instantly. Promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum of $5 deposit restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We also have another read, which is Manscaped. And ironically, you guys were giving me shit about this fucking grungy ass beard I got, <laughs> but downstairs is clean as fucking Moji space over there. So, <laughs> so I know Moj is going. There's the no five way. o'clock shadow down there. All right. Yeah. Uh, where's the, where's the mute button on this? Uh, <laughs> hang on a second. Uh, <laughs> so, so we actually had uh, Alex Singleton on Broncos linebacker last week, and he was talking about Manscaped, and he said he was so trustworthy in the Lawnmower 4.0 and the trimmer that he let his girlfriend shave his you-know-what for him, shave his area. I uh, I would not let my wife do that. Uh, I don't. I, I trust her to sh- clean my ears up yeah. and clean my beard up. She did that the other day, but uh, I'm the only one that's going down there with the Lawnmower 4.0. <laughs> Looks like you might need a little bit of, of upper lawn mowing before. Well, the let me, let me tell you something. Uh, like right here, you, do you guys like the older I get? Like these are get like you gotta you gotta fix these all the time. You know, Dude, my wife picks at these all the fucking uh, time with the tweezers, yeah. man. She like lays me down and no, is like just, just picking just, at my eyebrows. Just, just, just zip them with the uh, the tool. You're fine, dude. Yeah, we'll get the. Uh, you can use promo code BDE. That's like Big Drive Energy on manscaped.com and receive 20% off. They have that whole kit. You got the, the crop mop, the crop preserver. You got the foot spray. Um, you've got the, the lawnmower 4.0 with a light on it. You can shave. You can use that in the shower. I actually have two separate ones. I have one for my face and one for my, my lower area. So I keep those, keep that hair, you know, because I don't know what hair is cleaner currently. Um, maybe the hair on my <laughs> down low is a little bit cleaner than the hair on my face, but Keep those razors separate. I got two lawnmower 4.0s with the light. It's amazing. So use that promo code BDE. You're getting 20% off all products at manscaped.com. All right. I'm not, um, part, of, I'm not part of this, but let me uh, let me try to clean this up a little bit. Mitch? Yo. We're all adults here, and we all talk, we can all talk about, you know, taking care of the situation. That's cool. Yeah. 
but your brother's overly enthusiastic about it. I think he's, I think, I think his amount of enthusiasm about it is bordering abnormal, and that's all I'm going to say. Now it's he, a great product. I'm sure it's a great product. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. No, he he definitely he definitely is into it for sure. I was actually just thinking. His eye. I was thinking, what if we called it like bald blank energy? <laughs> oh god, it's BDE. What about that? That's I feel like that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, Spencer definitely. Uh, if he it, he takes all the time away from his face and focuses it on his well, you know on some guys, other some areas. Guys, there's not much you can do with this he might as well spend all the other time uh elsewhere if you know what I mean. yeah well and he's married now so it's not yeah, like anybody looks at it but himself anyways so exactly right <laughs> exactly. uh well yeah speaking of ad reads uh i am married and i'm getting fat so you're gonna have to hook me up with that absolute beauty solutions read you guys i need a little i need a little fucking I suck out my tummy i love that i actually love that Yes, where's that, tell, where's will, that sculpting I will, at? I will call them and I will tell you you are actually you don't need it. You need it. I need Spencer, it. you don't need it. Dude, I need it. Dude, dude, dude. I could I could definitely use some sculpting. Yeah, absolutely. I got you. I got you. No problem. Yeah, oh I, he knows I, can, that, I know the dude. That, perfect. Uh well Spencer, should we talk a little golf with, with Moji Sandbagger over here? Yeah, let's let's sandbagger Moji. So we you know, guys know my, you guys know my story. You know, you know the whole thing. You know how it went down. No, so going back to my days at the at the Bear, we call it Black Bear Golf Club, 2012. That's the first time I ever met Mark Mosier, and I was just a cart kid. You know, I was cleaning carts. I was washing, uh, picking cigarette butts out of carts, washing people shit off. And uh, <laughs> I got to I got off one day at work at twelve, like one o'clock, and I was like, hey, I want to go play some golf. Uh, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to pass my PAT. And the head pro sends me out to the first hole. He's like, yeah, just go on the first hole. There's a couple guys out there. And I show up and I'm a diehard sports fan. I'm, I'm a, a fucking, I'm the biggest fan girl there is over any of, you know, and even still hanging out with you. I'm like, holy shit, that's just, this fucking Mark Mosier. All my friends are like, oh my God, you got to, you got to see Mark Mosier today. And our kids at the course. <laughs> yeah. Um, my but wife I get to the, why don't you do that more? Get him out of here. <laughs> I get to the don't number let your head get too big, Mo. Spencer's a fan girl. <laughs> I am. Oh, he is. And I get to the number one tee, and it's fucking Mark Mosier and Alfred Williams. And I'm like, what the? I don't. I, we had a great time. We fucking killed a rabbit. We did yeah. the whole thing. Oh, dude, it was the worst. Should we tell the story? Yeah, you, you're it better at it. You it was so terrible. So we're on 11. We're on 11, and we're driving. So there's this big, giant bush. Big, like you know, like like a whole rabbit colony could live in it, right? And it's right next to the cart path on eleven, and we're driving up, and the cart girl is driving towards us down the path the opposite way, and we had just teed off, and we're driving up, and as we're driving, you know what, a baby rabbit, not and not even like not like a little guy, but like you know, not a full grown rabbit, but a, but you know, like maybe a teenager, right in front of the cart. Squashed it. Dude, it wasn't just squashed. Man, it was a rabbit explosion. So the problem is, is the cart girl coming the other way saw the whole thing. We couldn't see the rabbit explode, but she did. So she breaks down in tears. And she's (laughs) she's sobbing. 
because this rabbit just got thumped before her very eyes. And I'm sure it was incredibly traumatic. And we're like, well, there's nothing we could do. I mean, we're literally just driving like, dude, intentionally, like he had to, to join a club. He had to, he had to make this, he had to run the gauntlet, right? And he didn't make it. And he literally like ran out in front of the tire on purpose. That's what all I can think of. And he got thumped, but it was bad, dude, because he just went, boom. I'm like, oh my God. So she's freaking out. Did she have to call her dad or something, Spence? Yeah, she literally called out sick for the rest of the day. Yeah, she did. She had to leave and everything Mo- else. Moj made she sure to stock it. up on a fucking 12-er because she was out. Moj was like, well, if you're heading out, give me 12 of those Heineken. on that card. I mean, what do you, hey, listen, don't, don't, don't be running off yet. Uh, <laughs> dude, it was, it was, yeah, that was my first soiree into it with, uh, with Spence uh, a decade ago, man. We thumped, we, we thumped a rabbit together. Not on purpose, though. We don't hurt animals on purpose. But dude, you you can't you got to admit it. Dude just ran right out, did he not? Yeah, we we we're not going to stop. We can't just stop the cart and and flat throw both of us out just for that. I, know, I wish even, we, we could clip that. I wish we could clip that audio. Me and Spence thumped a rabbit. What the fuck? Uh, you did, dude. We just nailed it. We just nailed that poor guy. <laughs> rabbit thumpers. <laughs> Holy man, he just got. I felt so bad. I mean, I felt bad for her. I felt bad. I felt bad for him, especially. Dude's well, he didn't feel bad. So no. he's gone. He's gone to you know to the. The, the great rabbit hole in the sky. Oh man, <laughs> it was tough, dude. Anyway, let's talk about some golf. Yeah. So, okay. how did you get into golf? Like, what? Growing up in California, I bet yeah. there was some some great spots. Did you get into it super early in life, or did you get so into my, it later? You know, my dad was never a golfer, um, and then he was. He started golfing when I was a kid, and then he got me into it. I was probably I don't know. I want to say like sixth grade, something like that, is when I started first hitting balls. And he had a buddy who was uh, like a scratch. And so that guy gave me a couple lessons. And this guy, you know, this is, he's one of those guys when he, when he hits the drive, it, you know, it does that slow rise, you know, one of those beautiful, and just rises into the sunset, that kind of thing. Really good player. And so I started then, uh, played baseball in high school. And then I switched over. I love the game so much. I played golf uh, in high school as well. And I was always like, sixth guy on the team, you know, I'm scratching, you know, I'm, I'm maybe shoot, probably shooting 40, you know, I'm always like the, the, the last guy. Uh, oh, Mosher's wife, man. She's just on these FaceTime calls. That's a great, we should clip that. I that, know that face right there. Kayla, you gotta, you gotta get a screenshot you, of that. It can't, it can't be me. That's gotta be you. It's, um, gotta, it's gotta be Brandon. He's gotta be messing with something. I don't know. What I mean. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so, uh, so I, I played the, the last couple of years in high school and I love the game, man. And, and, you know, I've just always, I just always liked it. My dad belonged to a place and I honestly don't, I wish I was like you guys. I wish that I had put way more effort into practicing back in the day. Cause I just like to play, you know, I'd go out there and just, just thump the ball around and had a good time. And I always had kind of a naturally pretty decent swing. I could make contact and score. But I always wondered, man, if I actually gave the effort, if I actually tried to be somebody at the game, you know, could I be a, could I be a scratch? I don't know. The lowest I got down to, I think, was a three nine, um, and I couldn't play. I couldn't play to that now. If you put a gun to my head, not a chance. Well, so I think you realized when you got to a three nine, you couldn't win any of the net games, so you started pumping that shit back up. Oh, dude, dude, I'm, yeah, I'm showing up. <laughs> I'm I've seen up. you swing it, Mosier. You look thir- like a scratch fucking I gotta player. Gi- I got to give a pot to a dude on every hole. You know, he happens to get lucky and knock it on the green in two. 
I'm automatic. You know, it's it's tough to be in the fairway knowing you got a hole out to win the hole. You know, you got it. You got to knock it from 136 in. You got to drain it to win the hole. It's like that. That's tough, man. That's tough. Yeah, the last time I kept a handicap, not trying to brag or anything here. Go. I haven't heard well, this before. I, I was I played off I was a plus three point eight. So even if I play with a dude who's a five, I'm giving him probably seven, eight shots. Yeah, yeah. And and it's ridiculous. Like because the lower you're and I'm sure well you obviously get it. I don't know if anybody else gets it, but the lower you get, the harder it is to shoot your handicap. Yeah. Like it becomes more challenging. So yeah, yeah it's uh it, it becomes a. And, I mean, we even have guys at Spring Valley that purposely sandbag it because they know, you know, like you can't win anything net, and then yeah. you're giving guys too many shots. It's a it's a bloodbath. If you if you're like a twelve, a twelve seems to be kind of in the like if you're a pretty good player but you're a twelve, that kind of seems to be the wheelhouse, man. Because if you if you go low on a day, you can clean up, right? But you're never but you're never totally out of it either because you're a twelve and somebody's always giving you a pop. And then you're like, I can play, probably play this guy if he's a six. I might be able to go head to head with him straight up all day long, but I'm getting pops. You know how the, you know those sneaky twelves, right? Did Did right. you just describe your own game a pretty no, good twelve? No, dude. No, well, not anymore. No, you know what? So you guys know. So you know the story. So, um, I uh, I got down to like a three nine or a, like four, like right in there, four one, whatever it was. And so officially, right now I'm a six six. But as you know. Last summer, so last June, almost a year ago, we're not quite there yet, but almost a year ago, we're like 10 days away, I blew my Achilles out, right? Blam. And so, I'll show you. Oh, boy. His pants are coming down. No, but you see, oh, let me see. See the, you see the, the scar there? Oh, so, my yeah. God. See how, see, how, see how ugly that thing is? So, it was going bad since the previous November, and and I couldn't golf. So, I really hadn't golfed at all since, like, let's say – September of 2020 before the season began. And then I injured it. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, 2020. Then I injured it in November. And then it started just going bad the whole time. I'm trying to think when COVID hit. Hell, I don't remember. Anyway. It was like March of 2020. Oh, you know what it was? Yeah, okay. Then September 2020. That was fine. But we're still in COVID. Couldn't golf all through that spring. And then it blew last summer. So, man, I've played probably – 10 rounds in almost two years. Yeah. Do, so do you, you appreciate you it much score. more now? I'm a six, six, but you know, we'll come out for the, for the, the member guest or the member member, I should say, and I'm a six, six. There's no, uh, and I've, I've posted a couple, but there's no way I'll be down in time. So I'm going to be, you know, just doing my best to try to hang with the crowd, man. It's tough. It's super. You guys know it's super tough. Listen to me whine about it. Do you appreciate the game more though now, or is it still just as frustrating because you know where you were and you want to get back there so bad? Spencer, I don't take it seriously. You know, I mean, I, I like to score, but like if I have a bad hole, I'm like, ah, what a joke. Oh, that was a terrible shot. I'm not, I'm not club throwing or anything like that. No, but I mean, I, I'd like to be better because I think I can be better. You know, that's what's so frustrating too. You come out like out Spring Valley in a stiff wind, you know, and you, you rattle off a, you know, a bunch of, I think, what was that round I had a couple of weeks ago with the bear? I had like five birdies and three doubles in that round. I mean, like I played pretty damn good. I was striping it. Um, and then the stiff wind, you know, you bang one into the woods, you got to drop and so on. But if you're like, if you're making five birdies in a round, 
you're like, that's a, you know, you're playing pretty good. Now, okay, just eliminate the doubles. Well, a guy like me can't do that. But if you're making five birdies in a round, you got to think, man, if I just pull my head out, I can probably, I can probably score pretty decent, you know? And it just never happens. <laughs> you know, if uh, I, honestly, to nowadays, dude, if I, if I ever shoot like a 76, that's a big deal for me, you know? But typically now it's, it's going to be 79 to 87, somewhere in there, you know? 87 seems a little high. I think you're yeah, well, maybe after about 18 Heinekens, but uh, so most well, part as part of the process. <laughs> if the Bears driving, then heck yeah, absolutely. At the turn, at the turn, I'm going in to see uh, what's her face, the the gal, a little little Maker's Mark, a little Heine. Let's hit, let's go. You know, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, uh, so you've been in Colorado for a while now. I'm sure you played some pretty good golf. What's your favorite golf course you played in Colorado? Let's go. Let's go. Kind of a two-parter, private and public. Favorite private course. Um, you no, know, it's. I just played Cherry Hills on Friday. Oh, you're so spoiled. I know, dude. And, and let me tell you something. They're still doing an awesome job, and that rough still feels like BMW Championship rough. It's it's awesome though. My favorite private course in Colorado uh, is probably Sanctuary. To be honest with you, does that sound weird? No, no, I mean, I mean it's it's like the private course because there's only two members, Mr. and Mrs. Lineker. That's it, right? Um, and it's for charity, like kind of thing. But I've had I've had the fortune to to play out there an awful lot, you know, via tournaments or being invited. And I love Sanctuary, man. I I just I love the beauty of that course. I love the seclusion of it all. I love all of that. I think it's killer. We're playing yeah. there next Wednesday, actually. Oh yeah. Yeah, and charity event. So, and it'll be my first time out. Mitch played in the same event last year, um, but yeah, it, I've heard. I, I heard a, a little birdie tell us that you were with uh, with Bedsy on Friday, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, he hits it pretty good. You know, he used to be he used to be a lot worse golfer, and he's taking some lessons. He can he can bang it around now. He can he can score pretty well, and he's a big fella, as you know. So he can you know, he can hit some pretty good shots. Uh, favorite okay, say favorite public course. You know where I've you know where I've I'm just gonna be crazy. You know where I've scored the best in my life consistently, and I'm talking rounds of like 72, 73, that kind of thing. Is Green Valley Ranch? Really? Yeah. I've That's I've played. It. I mean, I've scored well at your place. One of my all time best rounds is at your place too. But for some reason, I don't know why, man. But but GVR. Um, just something about that course. I don't know if it fits my game or you play there good one time and you feel like, oh, you know, I really, I can play this course. Well, I don't know, dudes. I have no idea, but I don't know if it's my favorite. It's not, I mean, you know, it's, it's Green Valley, but, but if you you know, if, if I want to score, it's a fun place for me to play. That's one of yeah. the things we've always talked about on the podcast is like, you may love a course that's not that great, but if you play well there, it's immediately like vaults up to your, one of your favorites. Like you just seem to hit a, hit the ball in the right spot all the time, and you're just like, "Oh, I fucking love this place." Uh, so, but there's also courses that that for some reason you can't score on, and I'm like, I hate this course. And I'm not I'm not even thinking about one here, but there's one by the Bears' old house in in Auburn, California. Um, what's the name of that joint? I think it's called the Ridge, actually. Not our Ridge, but the Ridge back there. And it's not that hard of a course, I don't think. I mean, it's, it's sort of in the mountains and a little, you know, the foothills, and it's it's a cool course. It's a beautiful course. But damn it, if I cannot, if I cannot score there, dude. Like, I can turn a, fo- a four into a six 
like that. And I don't, and then you'll walk off the grid and going, I don't know what the hell just happened. You know, I don't know what, I mean, I was, I'm just sitting in the middle of the fairway a buck 30 out. And now, now I'm walking away with, I, I had knocked in a six footer for six going, what the, f- I hate this. You know, you guys know the feeling, you know what I'm talking about. And it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not even that bad of a course. It's not horrible. It's not, it's not super duper hard. But I just can't score there at all, and that that torched me off big time, man. Torched me off. Yeah. So uh, one topic in golf that we haven't actually touched on too much. We won't get too deep into it, but just want to get your initial thoughts. Did you watch at all any of the Live Tour this last weekend? And what uh, do you think it presents an issue to the PGA Tour? We talk about the PGA Tour a lot. Of course, we had one of maybe the best. PGA Tour events in a long time as far as a stacked leaderboard at the RBC Canadian Open yep. and we got the US Open coming up but did you uh did you catch any live golf and what do you think about the whole in- entire situation I only caught the highlights and I thought that the way they presented it visually looked pretty cool the way they have the leaderboard on the side and all that kind of thing dudes I I don't know if it presents a long term you know long term threat against the PGA tour, but here's what I do know that money will talk and money will always talk. And I look at some of the guys who like outside the Shamba who could still make a mid here. Phil's not going to make that at least golfing. He's not going to make that kind of money anymore. And probably not that kind of endorsement money. He's over 50. If they're going to pay him 200 DJ, I mean, he's won majors and he's won like what? 25, you know, 25 tournament or whatever. He's won on tour. But is he is he on the backside of his career? I I don't know. I mean, but if they're offering him, a, he's made like one of the course. He's made seventy five million dollars in his career, and they're offering him a, a buck twenty five right now. I mean, money's gonna talk, man. And I don't know if it's a long term threat. I think I'll tell you this, dudes. This is my feel. I bet there are guys on tour right now who are looking at it and saying, "Man, let's take Taylor Gooch for example." How long would it take him on the tour to make what he's going to make in eight tournaments playing in the LIV? Uh, a shitload. Yeah. Probably tw- a 20-year so, career with yeah. a couple majors. And I think there are dudes on tour who are going, look, I'm I'm no spring chicken. And I'm looking at even like a Ricky Fowler. And, you know, he hasn't been in contention for a while, even though he's a big name, has endorsements and all that. But, you know, we're not talking big money. If they threw $50 million at Ricky Fowler to go play that tour – I mean, you think he? You think he'd go? I, 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 absolutely. Because all of a sudden, you know, playing in the in the Shell Houston Open, you know, and and finishing twenty sixth and winning, you know, one hundred and ten G's or not even that, maybe, you know, all of a sudden the worst guy on the LIVs winning a buck forty, you're like, wow, why why am I beating my brains out here? You know, but a lot comes with the PG toward a lot of credibility. And then it's, you know, it's where the money comes from. And, and that's, that's a whole <clears throat> ugly thing. I don't want to get into. Cause that, you know, those as Pete or as Phil said, they're scary people and all that, but I don't know, man, uh, the fact that those big names and the fact that a DeChambeau and a DJ jumped tells me a, a lot of guys could jump. Yeah, well, my thought, kind of like yours, I would say, is I think it makes the most sense for, like, mid-level guys that aren't making – because the PGA Tour is very top-heavy. You've got your top guys like Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, and, like, outside of DeChambeau and Johnson, like you just said, 
a lot of these guys are probably making, I would bet somewhere in the three to $7 million range a year between endorsements and on the course. Um, but like Justin Thomas, those guys, they're probably making 15 to 25, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. So for those top level guys like Rory, I mean, Rory could live forever off of just what Nike's paid him in the last yeah. t- 10 years. Yeah. So of course he's going to, he's going to announce his um, allegiance to the PGA tour, but. But if you're worried about a major, Mitchie, if you're worried about a major, it, let's say you're Kevin Na, and you you weigh the odds. Would you like to win a major? Oh well, hell yeah, he would. But does Kevin Na think he's ever going to win a major? Like at this point in his career, is Kevin Na ever going to win a major ever? I I really don't think he will. Then, right I then, mean... then what is then 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 why not take the you know he's thinking to him. I'm thinking I'm thinking for Kevin Na here. Then why not take the bread? I'm not going to win a major anyway, and if I can't play in a motor white, I'm not going to win anyway. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't oh, know it's that very I can like a generational wealth thing. I don't know that. I don't know. I mean, is is how much is the reputation going to take a hit? It's a big deal. Yeah, and at what point does do you not care about your reputation because you have a hundred million dollars in the bank? Like, and I, from what I, I could be wrong, but I heard it's tax free. Really. Yeah, which is even more fucking nuts. To <laughs> well, wrap your head around. Yeah, but if you're living in, you know, if you're living in Pennsylvania, what do you got to do? You got to move to Monaco or something like that and establish a tax haven, or I, I don't. Know. Oh, I'm sure they've all got offshore accounts. I, who knows? But I mean, you go from Phil paying, well, because Phil even moved from California over to Florida because he was paying probably forty percent income tax in California. Yeah. yeah. To now, no, like, yeah, I no, mean, no state tax in Florida. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Texas, Florida. I mean, there's already guys flocking there because they just want to keep more of their income. And then yep. you have and like you said, I mean, that's so tough. I Obviously, it's it's tough from an integrity standpoint to decide if you want to make that jump or not. But there's so many other things in America that are funded by Saudi Arabian money that nobody knows about. Like, yeah, I'm not you know, there there's definitely. I, I'm not taking their side, but there's two sides to it where it's like, oh, have you really researched where, I mean, even the, the PGA Tour has stuff over in the Middle East and like, you, you know, it's, it, it, there. everybody's got a price tag at the end of the day. Yeah. I, and I think that, that for these guys, it's been a very calculated decision, um, but the Shambo's in and he's at the peak right now. I mean, he's not an old guy at all and he's got... You know, and I think for the big guns, I think for DJ, I think for DeChambeau, guys like this, even Sergio, you know, they've still got some exemptions left, right? For Because the Masters is its own thing. Unless the Masters follows suit, you know, I, I heard a birdie say, too, that the Masters would follow the PGA Tour's lead and not allow those guys to play. But does that mean, does that mean they won't give invitations to guys on that tour? Would they deny former Green Jackets the inability to come back and play? Because that would be totally unprecedented. You know what I mean? And Ian Poulter goes, he said this. He goes, aside where the money is coming from, you know, I've played on tours all the time all over the world. Euro, Asia. He goes, I play all over the globe. And it's never been a problem before. And it feels like this is incredibly, you know, they're trying to punish. It's very punitive. So he's got a point there, but it's hard for me to ignore, you know, the the badness of the people behind it, you know, what they've been accused of. And now I think we know what they've done with the journalist and all that. Oh, 
specifically one dude, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a, it's a hell of a dilemma, man. But at the same time too, you know, I'm a golf fan. I don't want to see the PGA tour, you know, leached of, of top talent. I really don't. I didn't even know how to watch the LIV tour dudes. I didn't even know how to do it. I guess it was online, right? Yeah. Uh, YouTube. It was uh, mostly live on YouTube and it did have a little bit of a formula one feel to it with all the, the teams. And I think that part's interesting. And I do think, that I think it's good for the PGA tour to have a little bit of competitiveness and have not necessarily guys jumping because that's, that's the key for me. I think the PGA tour, as long as it's still got the Rory's and the Justin's like, that's why we tune in. Right. And as long as it keeps those guys and doesn't allow like top AMs or guys on the come up, if those guys don't leave, I think the PGA tour is pretty safe. But I think if those guys start hopping over and you've got maybe five guys you want to watch on the live tour and four guys you want to watch on the PGA tour. You might be tuning in some of your viewership time over to that live tour. But I I think overall it's, it's a, the, the overall concept is an interesting product and I love that something is different and changing. And, and this is one of the best things to happen, just the game of golf in a long time, because so many people have been talking about it. And, and, you know, it seems like the two best things that happened in the game of golf were, COVID and, and this live tour, which are both extremely big touch point topics that I, I'm not going to get into because I, first yeah. of all, I'm not smart enough to talk about it in a, in a, on a live show in the right capacity, but just it, for the game of golf and to get people talking about it, that normally wouldn't, I think is a good thing to have the PGA tour, have a great championship like they did last weekend and have a, cr- a huge crowds. You know, that one guy almost died at the live tour and getting knocked out. Just stuff like that is funny. And it's nice to see something different because the PGA tour can be a little bland and, and all the tournaments every weekend, getting people to tune in every week yeah. is a little bit much, but I, I don't think it gets to a point where it's like, Oh man, we, I'd rather watch the live tour than the PGA. Plus, tour. plus think about it, dude. There's no cut and it's only 54 holes. Like these guys have got to think that they've, you know, but they, they don't care. I mean, they're, they're, you know. Well, yeah, like, let me ask you this though. Let me ask you this. You guys both uh, are pros. Let me ask you this. Like for me, if I ask you, would you rather win the PGA championship? Okay. As a player, or would you rather win a Ryder cup as part of team USA? I'd rather win a PGA championship, I think. Spencer is a selfish, Very selfish. bitch. Um, I'd have to say, I mean, being a part of a winning Ryder Cup team, I don't think that could ever, like, I mean, look at Ian Poulter. You take his career and basically flip-flop it to the American side. He has no majors, but he has multiple Ryder Cup wins. And he's, I mean, obviously everybody's going to say that, but he came out and said he would never trade his Ryder cup victories for a major. So, I mean, uh, that is, that, that is a predicament though, because those guys can't, those guys will not get Ryder cup points. Oh, by the way, there's one guy, if he wants to go there and stay there forever, I'm okay with it. Who is that guy? Patrick Reed. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And that he... dude, that dude could play in an ice cave in Antarctica for all I care. I get that, get that dude out of here, man. He is not my dude. That guy. So it's funny how you have your dudes and not your dudes. Spencer, that guy is not my 
Dude, did you see Club Pro guy the other day asking who did he ask at the uh, at the memorial? Would you rather have Patrick Reed's reputation or John Daly's body? <laughs> John Daly's body. 100%. All day and all night, the guy said, "Yeah, what is it, poor pro?" Yeah, I've already got John Daly's body. So yeah, I can, good point. Yeah, I can speak when I say I would rather have my body than Patrick Reed's reputation. Yeah, I mean, well, and if guys got- like that keep going, I think that actually. As, as much as Patrick Reed's been a pretty good player, won some, been important in some Ryder Cups, I think guys like that, and guys like Bryson are, you're either hot or cold on Bryson, but I think yeah. guys like that actually help the PGA Tour. It's like Kevin Na, nobody fucking likes Kevin Na. Yeah. So having him go over is like, oh, cool. I'll, oh, I, yeah, I, but I mean, less. He, but dude, Bryson a, draws a crowd, dude. He draws a crowd. Like, he's such a douche. I've, okay, but people love to watch him hit the ball, dude. Yeah, I mean... There is definitely a place for like heels like that on the PGA Tour, um, but yeah, I, I've just never been a fan of that guy, and that's a hill I'm willing to die on. So, uh, well, I will die on my Reed Hill. I've just never, I mean, watching the indiscretions of that, the lack of, the lack of morals from the guy, man. I mean, you, you guys know that he knows, right? You know he knows, right? <laughs> Tell me, you know he knows. Well, yeah. I mean, like, where do you think uh, taking Saudi Arabian blood money ranks on his list of moral, <laughs> moral wrongdoings uh, overall I, I, in the game of golf? Dude, when you watch him, when they when they see the wedge, scoop the sand away. Yeah, and scoop the sand. You're like, Dude, you're a pro. You're a Masters champion. You are. You you have won multiple tournaments. You know that you know what you're doing. You know. You know. Hundred percent. I I actually want to see a documentary on the guy. Uh, hopefully, when his career's over, possibly. Did we? Oh, okay, we. I thought we lost most for a second. Um, I think I think a, a documentary of him, like on Netflix in 20 years would be fired is I'm sure there's a lot of his side of the story. I mean, he got accused of cheating in college. He was stealing. Um, and then I, I definitely am not a fan of the dude, but I just want to hear like his side of things. Cause I, oh, I don't... Love to hear it too. you know what? And, and let me tell you something, man. I don't like dude because I think dude, dude knows. Dude but, he's a, but he's, a, let me tell you, man, He's a hell of a player. I can't deny that the guy, everything that he's allegedly done and so on and so forth and the alleged cheating and all this kind of thing, all of this stuff, the guy still won. I mean, he still put the ball in the hole, period, end of story. So as as much of a dillweed as I think that guy probably is or could be, because I've never even, I've never met him in my entire life. You know, it's probably a fascinating watch, dudes. It, it, you know what? Honestly, if they ever did and got all of his college teammates and interviewed them and PGA tour, fellow PGA Tour pros, and that would be something that I'd probably – actually, I know I would absolutely watch it. Absolutely. Because it's not like he's not a fascinating guy. He's just not a fascinating guy in a good way to me. That's what absolutely. I Absolutely. Mean. So um, before we let you go, and once again, we appreciate your time, we've got uh, a fun little game for you to play. Oh no! And and so this uh, this is there's no more there's no more perfect person uh, for this game and, and these choices. So 
Kale, if we could get the graphic up, we're going to play uh, rank these cups. All right. And, and uh, so you're going to, you're going to rank them and you're going to talk about them. So by the um, way, uh, that picture, Oh God, that picture, so, that picture some like, it's gotta be from like ten, eight, ten 10 years. I look, I look better now than I did then. Did somebody <laughs> take, did somebody tape your face up in that thing, Mosier? Dude, I don't. I don't even know. I think Lauren Gardner did my makeup. I don't even want to talk about it. Man. <laughs> it looks like you saw a bear right before. Uh, this. Dude, I know it's it's just horrible. It looked like Regis Philbin. That's just... <laughs> so we've got five cups here. Um, all of them fairly near and dear to your heart. Um, we've got the Stanley Cup. We've oh got the Ryder Cup. We've got Gabriel Landeskog's cup. We've got a spitter cup, and we've got the Ball Arena aluminum cup full of Coors Light. You got to rank these one through five and tell us a little bit about each one of them. Number one is the Stanley Cup, dudes. And I'll tell you this. The first time I ever saw it in person was a long, long time ago. And when, it, when I first saw it in person, it came across the room. And I looked at it and I thought, that is the most shiny, beautiful, gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I hope the bear's not listening. As far as it as far as a piece of metal goes. <laughs> uh, no, it was because when you when you're when you're on it and I've and I've 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 touched it, I've never I've 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 done this to it. You know, I've been at the party in 01, you know, you can you can Drink out of it, you know, guys. You'll drink out of it, and all that. You know, unless you want it. And I'm not a player, so I I can't do it. You don't you never lift it above your head. Although people have tried, um, but it is the shiniest, gleamiest, coolest thing. And here's what's best about the Stanley Cup, dude. It is immortality. Once you win it, and your name is on that thing, it's on it forever. Now, again, they'll take bands off, but they'll put them in the Hall of Fame. You know, the, the, they go the old bands go in the hall of fame, but, um, it is the, the coolest thing ever, man. It's hockey immortality. If you win, you've won it forever. And that's really cool. So that's number one. All right. Let me see the, uh, yeah, let me see the list again, please. Let's check it out here. If I can take a look at it. What was the, uh, I forget what number two was. Number two we have is the Ryder cup. What's number three, Gabe's? Gabe's number cup. three is Gabe's Landeskog's cup. All right, let me already do this. Let me put spit cup at the bottom because I gotta I gotta quit chewing, dudes. I can't I can't keep doing this, man. I can't I can't you can't be like seventy. Hey there, sonny. You can't do that, right? I you love gotta, you gotta stop too. All right, there we I, go. I, I choose zins normally, but I love bumming a uh, a wintergreen or something off of you when we're out yeah. on the course. All right, so so spit cup's gonna go at the bottom, and my wife will be happy that I said that. Yeah, that's that's housekeeping right there. Uh, all right, all right. Are we going near and dear to my heart? Number two is going to be Ball Arena Aluminum Cup full of Coors Lights. Going to go up to number two. That's right. Love that, that. Mitchell. Okay. Mitchell, show us a little example of that. You, I know yeah, you. Show, show us what you got there, buddy. I've got uh, Tito's and Arnold Palmer in this. By thing, the way, are but... you supposed to? Are you supposed to take those away from uh, from Ball Arena? Dude, that's the only fucking cups fucking... I have. That's literally all I have in my fucking house. <laughs> they hand these things out like they're candy, bro. I've got like forty of these. Let me tell you, I've met the I've met the people who 
who run Ball Corporation. I'm in the, and this I get nothing out of this. Okay, number one, they're friggin' awesome people. I mean, they're they're unbelievable people to talk to. They're super cool. They're super down to earth. Uh, big sports fans. And number two, listening to them talk about like like the company and how it's done, I'm like, wow! It's like a it's like a personal version of how it's made. It's really cool, man. Like everything they talk they, about in terms of the recycling and where these things come from and all the it's anyway. That's number two for me. Sorry about that. That's just a, I get nothing out of that. That's not a, a job thing. That's not anything other than. I've had a chance to hang with these people and watch football with these people, and they're great people. Okay. The beers are infinitely colder in uh, above, in one of those ballroom cups. And, Kale, no, let's change that to uh, Avalanche Ambriel. Let's give a shout-out to our Breckenridge Brewery and our Colorado right, cool. Avalanche. That sounds good. Um, well, in all honesty, I've seen Gabe Landeskog's cup. I mean, I've been in the <laughs> locker room a million times. How big is it <laughs> relatively compared to the other players? Well, the last time I took my tape measure in, uh, Spencer, I, uh, good Lord. <laughs> it's really good. I have no idea. Hey, by the way, uh, you guys probably don't remember a former avalanche player named Matt Hendricks. Do you remember him? That name rings a bell. Yeah, it was, it was years ago. Um, he, he left the abs. He, uh, got signed by Washington and played for Edmonton. Anyway, when he's playing for the Oilers, he took a shot that dented his cup. Like wow. permanently dented dude. I mean like big time dent. Can you imagine that? Talk That's- about rattling your cage. Oh my God. I, I'd have, yeah. Uh, give me, give me Ryder cup at three and gave it four. How about that? That's fair. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's pretty fair. Um, Spencer, do you have any other questions on our cup ranking here? No, I don't. I think that's that's a good ranking. Um, I have two seen the Stanley Cup. They br- I love when they bring it to the ice. I think that's a cool little feature. They'll bring it to the to each arena, kind of does a little traveling tour. I don't know if that's each year or that was something special a couple years ago. Yeah, that was, um, it, was, kind of, it, was kind of on, it was kind of on a tour. By the way, um, the cup was at the rink today. It was at Ball Arena today. Well, I was keep it here. I was I was this far from it, yeah, like this far, yeah. Dude, it's just it's just <laughs> like someday four you know, when, inches. when it's not on when it's not on tour, it's not doing its thing, and that's usually in the winter time, and that's when we're in Toronto. If you guys could ever get to the Hockey Hall of Fame and go see it, like when it's in its home, hanging out at its home, and they have a replica, like when the when the real cup is on the road, they have a replica that hangs out in the Hall of Fame, but when the real cup is there doing its thing. Man, it's so cool. I mean, and to, to, to be able to to be able to, to be around it, like put your arm around it and hold it and all that kind of thing. The Conn Smythe Trophy was there today, too. I remember in 01, I'm drinking a beer and I went and got some food or whatever. And I went and sat at the booth at the at the place we were at for the big party. And I just sat out on the table and the Conn Smythe is right there. It's just me and the Conn Smythe just sitting there. I don't know for like 20 minutes while I'm having a beer and, and eating something. The Con, Just the Conn Smythe Trophy that's been in the hands of the greatest performers in Stanley Cup playoffs history for all these years, right? Their names are all over it. Just hanging there, piece of wood, you know, wood stacked up, plaques on it and stuff. It's so awesome. So awesome. 
Yeah, I want to go to Toronto so bad, but after hearing fucking Whitney's story about Pearson Airport, man, holy fuck. Dude. I, I'll, I'll fly to Buffalo or New York or wherever's closest and fucking drive yeah. my ass it's, up there. It's, it's, luckily, we don't have to travel through that kind of mess or anything like that, but that was a poor, poor Ryan. That was a tough, tough story. Okay, so before we let you go, Mosh, first of all, thank you so much for your time. You're um, get, <laughs> Give us a quick... It uh, doesn't need to be too too extensive, but give us your prediction for the Stanley Cup. Well, I'll tell you this. So here's what you're facing, okay? Here's the daunting task. You're facing the two-time defending champions who have won in, you know, they've, they've beaten everybody that's been in their way. They've won 11 straight series. They've got the best goalie on planet Earth. They've got unbelievable forward group, former Norris Trophy winning defenseman, Big, strong. This will be the biggest decor the Avs have faced all season long. Does that sound tough? That sounds pretty tough. But I can promise you, boys, I was looking back through it. From the start of their run back in the bubble, they've never faced a team like they're going to face in this Colorado Avalanche team. I can promise you that. They have never faced a team with this much speed. They've never faced a back end that's this good. They've They've never faced what the abs are going to throw at them in terms of shots on goal per game. So, and if you look at the the betting public, you go back to your sponsor there, Spence, and look at it. The abs, all that being said, the abs are the favorite in this series. They, they I mean, the, the betting favorite anyway. Uh, I think it's going to be long, and I think it's going to be difficult. But I think, uh, having been around this Avalanche squad, dudes, I'm telling you, the level of determination and poise and understanding of what it takes and and the want to and the commitment, I don't even know how else to say it. Every and, and here's the thing. Every dude believes in themselves and they believe in this team. Every single guy realizes that this is an opportunity that they may never see again in their entire lives. Jack Johnson, I interviewed him today. You know, he's in his late 30s, guys. He's never, ever had the opportunity to play for it, let alone win it. He's like, I've just been waiting for this forever. I'm telling you, man, when, when you when you have that kind of want inside of you as a human being, and and you know that you, who knows, and life is funny. Hockey universe is funny. You may never get the chance again. I think the abs are going to do it. I think there's, and let me say this, having looked back at the whole run, again, the, the Lightning have never faced a team like this in their entire ever run. They, they've never played a team that's this good, that's uh, maybe as focused, maybe as desirable, but never this good. This Avalanche team is that good. And is there an MVP? Is that how that works? Is there a Stanley Cup Finals MVP? What is that called? Well, there's a Conn Smythe winner for, for the uh, MVP of the playoffs, yeah. And okay. so that's the Conn Smythe trophy I was talking about. Uh, and right now, I think if the Avs win, it's going to be, I think it's going to be Kale McCarr. And let me tell you something about their goalie, too. You know, Vasilevsky is not, he's unflappable. I mean, you could put six on him, and the next day he could shut you out. And that's the way he is. His brain shuts off game to game, and he's awesome. But he is not unbeatable. Yeah, he's won two straight cups. He's big, strong, athletic, talented. He's every. He's the best goalie on earth. But he is not unbeatable, and he's certainly not unbeatable for this Colorado Avalanche team. Wait until you see them in game one. They are going to burst out of the gates like the Kentucky Derby, and they are going to go. 
And so it's, uh, in all honesty, it's going to be up to Tampa. It's not what, it's not, it, it's all this what, how the Avs going to solve Tampa. How's Tampa going to solve the Avs? And I'm not kidding. Love that. That is no better way to end a show. Stanley Cup Finals tomorrow. Moj, we appreciate you. We will see you, um, but not remember you probably the next couple of games, uh, one and two. Um, we're going to be there uh, having a great time. And uh, I I know it's a, a thing. I, I can't miss it. I had to mortgage my house, but, you know, I, I had to kick co-payments out, do a little re- yeah, cash out refinance, honey, but listen, I'm going to be there. Honey, we are on uh, Top Ramen for the next uh, nine months. Um and I can't, I can't bathe or cut my hair. And sweetheart, you can't get your nails done. I mean, we've mortgaged everything. I'm, it's gonna, it's not gonna go over well, but it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. Appreciate you, Moj. Um, that's it for us, guys. Enjoy the U.S. Open this weekend. We'll get our big bet energy picks out to you tomorrow. I am on a complete heater right now, picking top tens and top twenties like it's my job. Even winners uh, with the last major, I had Justin Thomas. So we'll throw those out on Instagram Ooh. and Twitter tomorrow. <laughs> Ooh, I had Justin. Oh, you picked Justin Thomas. What a hot take. What a shocker. Oh, fuck this. All right, we're out. (laughs) Peace. Have a good weekend. Go Avs.